very excited today because um, every once in a while um, I get to preach on my favorite part of the Bible. So people always say, like, what's your favorite verse? My favorite chapter is Romans chapter 8. And so that's what I'm going to be preaching from today. So if you have your Bibles, if you, if you want to look at Romans chapter 8, then you can just leave it open and follow along. I'm going to be going through the whole thing. Sometimes it's good to see it. If you don't have a Bible app on your phone, you can just look it up online. Just type in Romans chapter 8. The Bible will come right up for you. It's just amazing the world we live in. And you can have that there. And, and again, I'm going to encourage you to read it later on today during this week. It's just one of the most amazing chapters in the entire Bible. And I just want to... Uh, I get the privilege of sharing that this morning. So um, give me just one second as I try to set this up here. Uh-oh. What's going on back there? Hang on, because I got some cool pictures to show you. So give me just a second while you're looking for Romans chapter 8. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm on that. Let's try this. It's funny how this all works before the service, and then something happens, and it like just doesn't. Not coming out. You know what you gotta do? You gotta open up the presentation on the computer. It is open. Because we switched that out. We're getting there. Hang on. Everybody got Romans chapter 8? Y'all good? Yeah. All right. There we go. There it is. Look at that picture. Isn't that sweet? So we're gonna talk about the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. Look at that, man. How many of you like going to the bakery? Anybody? Anybody with me? Hey, Amen. Come on, the rest of you all liars. How many of you like going to the sweet shop, man? Some of you like sweets of some kind. Come on, right? Candy, chocolate, something like that. You go in there and it's just like, whoo, just overwhelmed. Now, seeing all of that reminds me of, you know, cake because this pastor loves himself some good cake. And when I think of cake, I think of birthdays, and it is somebody's birthday today. He likes to fly under the radar. He likes to work behind the scenes, but you got to give it up for Braden. Happy birthday to Braden. Should, should we sing to him? Before we yeah, why don't you start it off, Lisa? Happy birthday to you. Oh, you sounded good. Happy birthday to you. What a sweet sound. I had to give it up for Brayden, all right? So I know Brayden's going to have some cake today or some kind of sweets, right? I mean, we all have something that we like, right? You go into the shop and, you, and, and if I go into a shop like that, I just get excited because it's like I, can, I get to pick out, you know, what you want. Remember as a kid, you get to go and that's why they say it's like a kid in a candy store, right? That, there's a reason for that phrase because you get in there and it's like, oh man, I get to choose from all this stuff and you get to pick one thing, right? And you get so excited. But I'm here to tell you this morning, what we're going to talk about in chapter eight is that the whole bakery is yours. The whole candy store is yours. Like you get to have everything in the spirit, right? And here's the difference, you know, analogies break down at some point. It's like it, there's no calories when it comes to the Holy Spirit, all right? So you can have as much of the Holy Spirit as you want, and it's not going to negatively affect you, right? And here's another way it's different. We kind of save dessert towards the end, right? And sometimes people think it's an extra thing, but I happen to be one of those that think, no, no, you should eat dessert first because life is short, amen? I mean, it's one of the most important. Thank you, Brother John. I got one brother in the back that knows what I'm talking about. But in the spirit... In the spirit, what I'm talking about is not extra. And some Christians think that all of these benefits of God are just extras that they may or may not get, right? Sometimes we come to God like a little kid and we think, oh, I can only have one thing. But God says, I want to give you everything. I want to give you everything. The Bible says in Ephesians that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. Come on. Does anybody want that? Does anybody want more than one gift of the Holy Spirit? Do you want more than one blessing? It's okay today because God has given us permission. In fact, he's secured the right. In fact, he's paid the price 
for us to have everything. Can you imagine being given tremendous amount of wealth and you're like, no, I'm only going to spend one dollar because that's all I deserve. How would you feel as the father who had given their children everything and they didn't even want to take but one little thing of it? And God is so gracious, so loving, so overwhelming that he says, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you access to so many things. And Romans chapter 8 is going to talk about that. Romans chapter 8 is just this great manifesto, this great long list, this great menu of everything that God wants to give us. And I just love it. And when I read Romans chapter 8, I feel like a kid in a candy shop. Or a pastor in a pastry shop. If you want to say it that way, that's how I feel. I get so excited. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you what comes before, okay? Because I know I've got all my dessert people in the house. But how many of you love the meal itself, right? Any meal people, any appetizer people, any, any people like the bread and the dipping oil on the side? Right? We like the whole meal, right? Amen? And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you the meal that came before this incredible dessert of Romans chapter 8. So if I can, briefly, if you'll bear with me, let me give you a recap of Romans 1 through 7, okay? Because it's the theological meal that the Apostle Paul has written for us that we may understand the fullness of what God is trying to feed into our lives. He begins in Romans chapters 1 through 7 by acknowledging, reminding us that God is the creator of everything, including us, and that God has revealed himself through his creation so that we can understand and see that God exists even if we just experience the world that he created for us to live in, to contemplate the universe that he created to place our world in, that he created each and every one of us. But here's the thing. Each and every one of us decided that we were going to rebel against the creator. So we decided instead of worshiping the creator, we're going to worship the things he created because those are the things that, that, that feed our selfish nature, our sinful nature. We gave in to those desires to go against God. Uh, we, we sinned. We went against God. We decided instead of walking into his shop, we're going to go off our own way and try to find our own sustenance, find our own life. But in the end, that way just led to death. It's like humanity was at a crossroads, and instead of choosing the way of life, we chose the way of death. And Romans says that every one of us has done it. We've all sinned and fallen way short of the glory of God. We've all gone our own way. We've all said no to God and yes to the desires of our own flesh, right? We do that because, see, we're born with this tendency to do that. We're born under the curse of sin. And yes, God wants to redeem us. He wants to heal us. He wants to call us his own. Don't let me break into song of this, all right? Because, you know, the pastor just needs to preach, not saying this morning, amen? But, you know, we, all of these things that God wants for us, we say no. We go our own way. And it brings us death. You know, it's not that God judges us, but we just stand under the sentence of death because we've chosen the ways of death. Come on, you know it's true. If we're honest this morning, we've all done things to hurt ourselves and to hurt other people, every single one of us. It doesn't matter what anybody else compares one to the other. It's death. It brings death. It's sin. It offends God. It hurts us. It hurts other people. But here's the good news. God, knowing all of that, Knowing that we were lost, knowing that we were dead, knowing that we were going our own way, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Jesus said Jesus Christ, God said Jesus Christ because he loves us, because he loves us even when we're at our worst. Think about that for a minute. When you were at your worst, God gave you his best. One person heard that. When you were at your worst, God gave you his best. Think about that for a moment. Think about the last week we talked about not judging other people, not judging ourselves, right? Because no matter how bad someone else is, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for them, to love them. And no matter how bad I've been, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me and to love me. I didn't deserve it. 
I couldn't earn it. I couldn't get there on my own. But because of the grace of God, the gift of God, because of God's great love, he reached out to us and he's giving us new life. But yet we still struggle. Romans acknowledges that struggle. So sometimes the thing I want to do, I find myself doing the thing I didn't want to do. And I'm over there wondering, why did I do that when I know I should be doing this, right? It's like we're always at a crossroads. We're always at a crossroads. We're always trying to decide which way to go one way or the other, right? It's like the old-fashioned little angel on my shoulder, little devil on the other shoulder, right? And then one, you're hearing two voices, right? There's competing desires inside of us. And now that we've been aware of this, we have this desire for God, but yet, yet our old nature, our old self keeps pulling us back in the other direction. And that's why God gives us the power that we need to live the life that he's created for us. God gives us the power that we desperately need to live the life that we desperately want. And that power, friends, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and the Holy Spirit does amazing things in our lives. So let's dive in to this smorgasbord of Romans chapter eight. What does the Holy Spirit do? It begins with a verse I quoted last week. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. No condemnation. No condemnation because we're in Christ Jesus. If we're not in Jesus, we already stand condemned. That's what John chapter 3 says. But Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. But he came to save the world. He came to bring you out of that condemnation and into the freedom that he offers to each and every one of us. So the first thing the Holy Spirit gives us is freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from bondage. Freedom from every chain that binds us. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from doubt. Freedom from anything that would lead us to death. And it gives us freedom to live this new life in Christ by the power of Christ. Okay, it's the Holy Spirit within us that allows us to choose. See, we had no choice when we were locked in our sins. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, you got no choice but to sin, friends. I'm sorry, I'm just speaking the truth. People keep trying it every day throughout history, trying to live a good life on their own, but they eventually run out of energy. They run out of strength. They find that they're unable to do it because apart from Christ, look at our verse, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not connected to Christ and that sap that connects the branch to the tree, that life that flows through it, that's the Holy Spirit. We've got to be connected to that Holy Spirit that's just flowing through us like sap, right? It's just connecting us to the life of God. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's only when we're in Christ Jesus that that happens. And how do you come into Christ Jesus? You believe and you receive him. You believe in him. You receive him and the Holy Spirit is given to you to be that strength that you need to set you free. Set you free. You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live the old way of life. You don't have to be ruled by your own desires and even your own feelings, but you're given a power over your mind. Your mind is now able to understand things in a way that it never could understand them before. You're able to speak words that you could never speak before. You're able to make decisions that you could never make before. God's power gives you freedom over every single thing that would bind you or that would keep you down but hold on i told you it keeps getting better he gives us a family because romans 8 goes on to say that when we are set free we are no longer slaves hallelujah but we are now children of god you are children of god you're not a slave anymore you're not even a servant you're not even like oh i just want to be like the lowest person the butler or the maid in god's house and god's like "Uh uh-uh just like the loving father the prodigal son says no you're my daughter you're my son i want you to come into my family 
And nothing will ever take you out of my family. Because once you're my family, you're my family. So we've been given a new family. Amen. And that's good news. Because none of us have a perfect family. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but none of you have a perfect family. And some of you are going, amen. I just talked to my mom yesterday. No, we won't go there. But you know how it's not perfect, right? You know that there are ways. I mean, there are people that are longing to be free. There are people that are longing to be in a family because they've been abandoned or they've been neglected or they've made their own choices that have torn them away from their family, right? But God gives us a new family, a stronger family, a family of God. We are children. We are sons and daughters. And if that's true, then we're heirs with Christ, meaning we get inheritance with Christ, meaning that we're princes and we're princesses, meaning we are kings and queens in God's kingdom, right? God has given us a new family. And because his blood runs through us, we will never not be his family. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know they're not here today, but we give a shout out to Josh and Rachel that just had their baby boy, right? Little Russell from Boya Day, right? And they had that baby boy. And you know what? Nothing Russell ever does will make him not a part of their family. Why? Because their blood runs through his veins. And see, in a supernatural way, the blood of Jesus runs through our veins. That's what we not just declare, but experience when we come to the communion table in a minute, right? We participate in the body and the blood of Christ, believing that, 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 that in a supernatural, almost undescribable, unexplainable way, the blood of Christ actually flows through us. I believe that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us freedom. Hallelujah. Yes. The Lord gives us, the Holy Spirit puts us into a new family where we are sons and daughters of the king. But the final thing is it gives us a future, right? Because some of us, we know we're not there yet. Amen. Turn to somebody and be honest. Say, I'm not there yet. Just turn to somebody and say, I'm not there yet. Right. Right. If you look in the mirror and you're like, I don't see a king yet. I don't see a queen yet. That's because it's still being revealed. God is still at work in our lives, right? But now we have a future. Now we know that something greater is in store for us, right? We know that God is working in our life to bring us into the life that he wants us to have. We have a future. That puts our present in perspective. Can I say that again? When you know your future, it helps you put your present circumstances in perspective. Because the book of Romans says that I do not consider our present sufferings worth coming comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us through the Holy Spirit, right? So you got to understand we're going to suffer in the present. We're going to go through things. We're going to go through trials and temptations. We're still going to have that struggle, friends. You're not going to leave this place and not have that struggle, right? Because we're still in the struggle, but God is at work in us, is he not? Did we just sing it or did we not declare it? He's making diamonds out of dust. He's making diamonds out of us, amen? And it's going to take a minute to make a diamond, right? It doesn't just happen in one church service. It doesn't happen in a couple years. It happens in a lifetime where God is working in us, giving us a future, saying, listen, I've got a whole kingdom and it's like a banquet table. I got not only a pastry shop, I got all kinds of everything for you. I've got a never ending banquet table overflowing with food and there is a seat for each and every one of you that has your name on it, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit gives us freedom, gives us a family, and gives us a future. But hold on, friends. We're not done yet. Amen. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Hallelujah. Because we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Groans that words cannot express. That means that the Holy Spirit, friends, is praying for you. Praying for you. 
How many of you like to get prayer from someone, right? I know some of you, like, I know some of you like to get prayer, right? And there's certain people you like to get prayer from because it's like they seem to have the powerful prayer, right? I'm going to be honest. I'm just like some of you. I'll walk into another church, another service or whatever. And if they have the altar call, I'm looking for the, for the bishop or I'm looking for the pastor. I'm looking for somebody because I want that person to pray over me. I want that blessing over me. But can you imagine a hundred, a million times more, the Holy Spirit is already praying for you. And the Holy Spirit prays for you according to the will of God. That means what the Holy Spirit prays for you is going to happen. Amen. Amen. And do you know that he's praying for you even when you don't know what to say? Even when you don't know what to pray? Even when you don't know, the Holy Spirit knows and he's praying for you? Even when you're not close to God, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And when you're on your way back to God, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And every moment of every day, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And those prayers, friends, are effective. Those prayers are true. And those prayers are going to happen in your life. And here's the amazing thing. Each and every one of you that have believed and received Jesus Christ, you have that same Holy Spirit in you. So that I don't need the bishop. I don't need the pastor. I don't need the Pope or anyone else. I just need someone that's got the spirit of God in them. Because when you pray for me, it's going to happen. Because that's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. That's the Holy Spirit bringing you into that prayer. And it says there's the language of the Holy Spirit that we don't even understand. Like we're not going to understand God. We're not going to understand the way that the Holy Spirit is praying and working in our lives. But we need to trust that when we feel weak, we have one who is strong. When we don't know what to say, we have someone who gives us what to say. Just share this story really quick about our sister, Laura. Angel mentioned her event coming up this Saturday. Um, she was out at Stop and Shop recently, right? And she saw a guy that had come to church here a long time ago. And he saw her and he said, oh, I need prayer. And she said she didn't know what to pray. I don't know if she'd ever really had a lot of experience praying with someone. But she knew she needed to pray. And you know what? The Holy Spirit gave her words. She said words that she didn't even know. And she prayed over this young man's life, right? And it was God bringing it together. That's what I'm saying. It's not just here, but it's out there. I get so excited because guess what? Church happened at Stop and Shop. Amen. Can we praise the Lord? Hartford City Church wasn't here. It was at Stop and Shop, right? And it's everywhere that the Spirit is because the Spirit helps us. The Spirit prays for us. And you know, Romans 8 goes on to say this, that Jesus Christ is also praying for us. Come on now. Come on. Does that encourage you this morning? Does that encourage you that not only is the Holy Spirit praying for you, but Jesus is praying for you. I got two of the best people in the world to be praying for me, right? I got Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and they are interceding right now on my behalf before the throne of God and on your behalf and your behalf and your behalf and your behalf. You have the Spirit of Jesus Christ praying for you. Hallelujah. But we're not done yet. Hang on. I told you. It's a smorgasbord. The banquet's never ending, you know? We're going full in, right? And we're, we're having a Puerto Rican family dinner here today, right? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Oh man, what an incredible thing that the Holy Spirit in your life can take everything and make you good, right? Can make you good. God is like the best cook, the best chef in the entire world, right? You know, those people that can take everything, no matter what they got, and they can make something out of it. Something beautiful, right? Something amazing, right? And God is doing that. Does that mean the bad things that happen in your life are because God wants them to happen? No. God doesn't will it, but he doesn't waste it. That's what I said. Let me say it again. God doesn't will it, but he doesn't waste it. He will take everything that happens in our life and he will say, watch me flip it. 
Watch me turn it around. Watch me take what was intended for evil and turn it into something good. Oh, Satan, you think you got power? Watch what I can do after you're done doing what little bit you can do, right? Because in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Hold on. Some of you need to read that in Spanish. Hallelujah. There you go. All right. You got to know this. You got to know this in any language, in any way, that God in all things is working for the good of those that love him. El bien de quienes lo aman. Man, this is what God is doing. And you have to trust that and believe that, that God's love for you is so amazing, so overwhelming, so overpowering, right? That he gives you a new life, that he gives you freedom from everything. He gives you a new family to be a part of. He gives you a future. He prays for you. He helps you. He works everything together for good. He teaches you all truth, amen? The Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say that for those God foreknew, he also predestined. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Hallelujah. We need to take a minute here this morning. What does predestined mean? It's like, so if Ephesians says God chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Romans 8 says that when God predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. So your destiny is to become like Jesus. Amen. Your destiny is to be a, to be a reflection, an example, an image of God, because we're all image bearers of God in the way that Jesus Christ was. And what does predestined mean? It means to direct towards a particular goal. You know, and I think that helps us understand it because some people are like, well, predestined, does that mean God just decides how everything's going to be and then we have no choice? No, that's not it. But what he does is he takes us and before you were born, Molly, he said, Molly, here's the direction I have for you. Here's the life that I have for you. Here's what I want for you. And I'm going to do everything I can to direct you towards that goal because he's called us. And the truth is that God has called us, but we choose to follow him, right? So God chooses us, yes, but we choose to follow him. So God calls us and says, come, follow me. But we must respond to that call, right? I mean, it says God chose us before the creation of the world. But Joshua, the leader of the Israelites said, but choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So it's both. It's like the example of marriage, right? Later on today, and they couldn't be here, obviously, because they're getting ready for the marriage. Jonathan and Karina are getting married today, and we celebrate with them, right? We're going to celebrate the love that they have. Will and Kayla just got recently married, right? We got people getting married, having babies. There's life all over the place in here, right? But here's the thing. So let, let, me, let me just focus in on, on, on Will and Kayla here for a minute, right? Okay, who asked who to, to marry you? Was it, was it, did Will ask you? All right, so Will made a choice. He said, Kaylin, I choose you. Not Pikachu, you. I choose you, Caitlin. I want you to be my wife, right? Now, if he never said that, Caitlin couldn't be married to him, right? If he doesn't make that choice, if he doesn't choose that, she can't force it. She can't just come over with a paper and say, guess what? We're married. No, she has to, she has to receive that invitation. He has to choose her, right? Otherwise, she can never be in that relationship. But guess what? He chooses her, but Caitlin chooses to say yes, right? Because if Caitlin never says yes, if she never chooses him, then guess what? Will can't marry her. They can never be in that relationship unless Will chooses and Caitlin chooses to come together in love and in relationship. And the same is true of God. God chooses us. He chose you already. He extends the invitation to you. He says, come into my life. Come into my family. Be saved. Be healed. Be forgiven. I have a destiny for you. I have a future for you. But we must say yes to God. God chooses us and we choose him. 
And when those choices come together, we get to experience the powerful life that he has for us. What does it mean to be justified once we enter into that relationship? I love this definition. Very simple. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. I didn't justify just as if I'd never sinned. And that's amazing. That's amazing that not only are we forgiven, but but our sins are completely washed. Our, Our sins are completely taken away. They're not a righteousness of our own, but a righteousness from God comes upon us. That we can't be holy and blameless on our own, but God gives it to us as a gift that we can live out, right? And that's what baptism symbolizes, that we are clean, that we come up out of the water as if we're brand new, born again, right? When a baby's born and they're they're perfect and they're adorable and we love them and they haven't done anything wrong yet, you know, it's like they're just born, right? And we're born again into this newness of life where we're completely clean and baptism is about that whole washing from head to feet. But catch this, we still get our feet dirty. That's the power of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Remember, Peter said, well, you got to wash all of me then. Jesus said, no, no, if you've already had a bath, meaning if you've already been baptized, you don't need it again. It's just day to day we walk through life and the dirt gets in our feet, doesn't it? And we need Jesus to wash it off every night. And the Bible says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. So we get to wash each other's feet as well. You see, there's a part of foot washing that's about forgiveness. Daily forgiveness, daily cleansing, daily receiving what God has for us. Friends, if you've never been baptized and talk to me, you need to get baptized. You need that complete washing, that complete just as if you'd never sinned but you're still going to get your feet dirty. And so you need that ongoing cleansing, that ongoing forgiveness of God. And then the last one, glorified. We talked about it a little bit earlier. We have not yet seen what we will become. We can't even see what we'll become because God has a glory for us that's amazing, all right? Catch this. See, I think we accept such a small version of this, right? It's like we're, we're eating, no, no offense to little Debbie's. I love some little Debbie's, but it's like we're eating little Debbie's when we can be at the world-famous pastry shop. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we just settle for so much less than what God has for us. When Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, he said to his Father in heaven, he said, Father, give me the glory that you have in my life so that Jesus was full of the glory of Almighty God. Now catch this. Later on, he prays not just for his disciples, but for everyone who will believe through them, which means all y'all. Jesus prays for all y'all in the spirit. And this is what he says. Give them the glory that you've given me. Jesus has the glory of God for you. I don't mean glorified just in a small sense. I don't mean glorified just in a little bit. I mean that the glory of God will descend upon your life so that your life completely burns and shines for the glory of God and for Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And God will do this. you got to believe it. In Philippians 1, 6, it says, We are confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Amen? God will complete his work in you. He's not finished with you yet. He's not done. He's making a diamond out of you. But we're dusty. I'm a little dusty. I need God to work on me. And God's doing it. He's still working on you. You may be a diamond in the rough, as they say. But God is bringing out in you the glory that he wants to you as an image bearer of the living God. Hallelujah. You've been predestined. You've been called. You've been justified. And you've been glorified. Amen. Because the Spirit of God has given you a future and a family and freedom. Hallelujah. We're not done yet. Amen. Amen. It's like I'm getting full, but we're not done yet. If God is for us, who could be against us? 
Come on, if there's no condemnation, if the Holy Spirit has done all of that for you, then no one can accuse you. No one can condemn you. Nothing can come against you. Nothing in this earth, nothing in the heavenly realms, no power of Satan can come against you. You just tell Satan, what does they say? Not today, not today, Satan, because you are a child of God. Hallelujah. And if God is on your side, that's all you need, friends. That's all you need. Nothing can come against you. It goes on to say that if God gave his son, Jesus Christ, won't he also along with him graciously give us all things? Paul says it this way in Corinthians. He said, all things are yours because you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Friends, the whole store is yours. The whole world is yours. The whole universe is yours because you are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence of Christ is in you. Christ is like a brother to you. Christ, you are co-heirs with Christ. You share in the inheritance that's been given to Jesus Christ. You participate in Christ. And again, when we come to the communion table, we experience that we are participating in the very body of Christ, the very life of Christ in us. All things are yours. So therefore, he goes on to conclude this incredible manifesto by saying, we are more than conquerors through God who loved us. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? What shall separate you from God? Shall trouble, hardship, famine, going hungry, persecution, nakedness, danger, sword? Is there anything that can separate you from the God? And the answer is no, nothing can separate us from God's love. And here's where we land this morning. My favorite verses in my favorite chapter is Romans 8, 38 and 39, which says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, not your past or your present, what you're going through, or any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the glorious message that kind of wraps it all up together today. Hallelujah, is that nothing can separate you from God's love. The Father takes your hand and he never lets go. Friends, he never lets go. Nothing, and I believe the word nothing means nothing, no thing. Nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God. Not your past. Your past failures will not separate you from the love of God. Neither your present, your present circumstances, your present trials, your present tribulations will not separate you you, from the love of God. There's no person that can separate you from the love of God. There's no failure that can separate you from the love of God. There's no success that can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing, absolutely nothing in all of creation that will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So the question, the, the primary question that we must ask ourselves this morning, and I want everyone to think about this, is are you in Christ Jesus? Have you believed and received Jesus Christ into your life? It's very simple. It's very simple, and it takes a whole lifetime to do it. And, and many of us, it's not like you just pray this prayer once. That's the beginning. But it really is an ongoing declaration of what we believe about God. So believe and receive Jesus Christ. You simply mean, you don't have to say these words out loud, although you can, you can say them in your heart, but you have to mean them. You have to really be convinced of of what Romans 8 is convinced about and what I'm convinced about, that the love of God is this great and that it really is for me. 
You say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. That you died on the cross for my sins. And you rose again to give me eternal life. I receive you into my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And from this day forward, I will follow you. That's it. Would you bow your heads with me? Because I want to give anyone an opportunity that wants to pray that this morning. I don't care whatever your reason is. But if God is tapping on your heart and saying, you need to pray this this morning, then I want you to pray this prayer. Again, you can say it out loud or just say it quietly in your heart. But just say these words. Say, Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again to give me eternal life. I receive you into my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And from this day forward, I will follow you. If you prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand? Because I just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. Amen. We celebrate. Raise your hand. Leave your hand up for a second. Because uh, Phil's going to give you a card. But amen. Just let Phil give you a card because we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate that you prayed that prayer today. That there was something in your life that God was doing so that you could receive Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we're going to come to communion right now. And communion is where we experience all of this stuff that God is telling me. It's like... It's kind of like a, a sample version sometimes, I think, of the feast that we get before God. But there's power in it. It's part of the multiplying effect of God that we take a piece of bread, which represents his body, and we dip it in the cup. Or if you don't want to dip, you can take one of the little cups. And we drink the juice, which represents his blood. And in doing so, we participate in the life of Christ. We remember that his blood flows through our veins, that we are family, and nothing can take us away. We remember that we are part of the body of Christ. And when we're part of the body of Christ, we get all of these blessings. We get freedom, healing, forgiveness, redemption. We get a family. We get a future. We get hope when we need it. We get love beyond compare. We have no condemnation. Nothing can separate us. Romans 8, if you, from the beginning, it says there's no condemnation. All the way through to there's no separation. Amen. There's no condemnation, no separation. God in Christ Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. So let's prepare our hearts to receive communion this morning. If we can have our servers come forward at this time, we're going to serve communion. And let's just bow our heads and just pray. God, we just ask that you would prepare our hearts to receive your body and your blood this morning. May these become for us your real presence in our lives. May we be spiritually nourished by this meal this morning, Lord God. Please forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from head to toe. Or if need be, just wash our dirty feet this morning. The Lord says if you confess your sins, even now in this moment, God is faithful. He will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'll give you just a moment to have that silent prayer before God.